I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. What would you do if your dead grandmother appeared to you in a dream, gave you a secret recipe, and said that if you created that recipe, it would cure a persistent vaginal ailment that had been bugging you for about a year? Well, if you're B. Dixon and you believe in magic and you believe in dreams, you go right to the Whole Foods where you work, you buy the products, you create the recipe, you try it out, and then you decide to start a company to bring this product to the world. That company is now called The Honeypot. B. Dixon is the founder, and it's valued at $100 million. This is a truly fascinating woman and conversation. I hope you enjoy it. B. Dixon is the CEO and co-founder of The Honeypot, which is a toxin-free, plant-based, gynecologically approved vaginal wellness and feminine hygiene company. And she is a true force of nature who started this business based on a very unique conversation that she had with her grandmother. And that is the founding story. And I'm really interested in having you join us and tell us more about that story because I just love this. Thank you. To be honest, I had bacterial vaginosis for almost a year and every single thing that you can imagine that a human would do, I did, right? I went to the doctor, I took medicine, I took, you know, whether it was by mouth or intravaginally, I did all the home remedies that were good and not good. So I probably made matters worse (laughs) (laughs) than what they actually were. You know, but then one morning, my grandmother came to me in a vision, which, you know, in a dream, but it it didn't feel like a dream. It felt very real. And basically, she told me that she had been walking with me and seeing me struggle. And she handed me a piece of paper because my grandmother transitioned. She died when my mother was like seven years old. So I never actually physically met my grandmother, you know. You know, and so she she hands me this piece of paper. She tells me that it's going to solve my problem. I'm trying to talk to her because I've never met her before. And she's like, I'm not here for that. Like, I'm not here for me and you to connect. I'm here so that you can remember what's on this paper because this is what's going to solve your problem. And I just remember repeating the ingredients that were on the piece of paper over and over and over again. It felt like, you know, like I repeated them a hundred times. And then she told me to wake up. And so when I woke up, I woke up saying lavender oil, you know, coconut oil, water, apple cider vinegar, rose. Like I woke up saying those ingredients and I had a pen and paper by the bed because I'm quite a dreamer. Um, I see things. Yeah, all the time. And I wrote it down and then I went in the room and I talked to my mom about the person that I saw because most of my ancestors on my mother's side, we all look very much alike. We all have the same shaped face. Like if you put a picture of me and my grandmother and even my great-great-grandmother and my mother, we all look almost identical. And so, you know, I kind of explained to her, you know, what this woman looked like. And she said that that was very likely your grandmother. 
you know? And so it was crazy. So you go from a dream to starting this gigantic CPG company. There's like a lot in between that. And I, 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 my next question was actually going to be, did you know your grandmother? Cause I was really close with my grandmother and she was a huge inspiration for me, but how did you come to think, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to create a category, an entire new category. And I, and I have the self-confidence to be able to do that. Well, in the beginning, I wasn't thinking I'm going to start this whole new category. And I, it, it, was, it wasn't from that frame of thought. In the beginning, it was literally just like, after the dream, I woke up, I wrote it down. I talked to my mom. I was like, you know, my mom was like, well, all that it can do is not work. Right. And so I went to work because I worked at Whole Foods. I bought all the ingredients. I went home. I made myself a formula. And then I started using it. And like four or five days went by. And my normal habits every time, I'm going to give you a lot of information right now, but, you know, this is just some real shit. So, you know, we're, we're let's talk. Let's do we're it. Talk, yeah. Talk. We're talking about vaginas. Right. <laughs> let's just do it. Yeah. And so every time I would go pee, I would always smell myself. I still do it. I don't know why. It's just a, a tick, you know. But back then I did it because I had, you know, I don't know if you've ever had bacterial vaginosis before, but it smells. And sometimes there's a lot of discharge, you know, it's just not a good experience. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I would do that. But for those four or five days after I started using the wash, I wasn't doing that, you know? And so then I realized that when I was going pee, because this is when I decided to start a business. I was going pee. And I did what I normally would do. I smelled myself. and Because I, I had bacterial vaginosis at the time that all this went on, right? So you could see the result in real time. I saw the result in real time. I wasn't even thinking about it. It's like it worked straight away. It was crazy, you know? And when I actually did smell myself, I didn't have an odor. I didn't have that heavy discharge. I didn't have all the things that I would have every single month right after I got my period. It had went away. And so literally when I made that realization, I was like, oh, so this is what I do now. You know, this is what I do now. And like a lightning bolt, like a lightning bolt went off. Yeah. Yeah. A lightning bolt was like, oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, grandmother. You know what I mean? Did you have any experience with business at all? Was it, you know, running business? You said you were at Whole Foods, but was this, were you entrepreneurial prior to this? Yes. Yes, I was entrepreneurial and I was very intrapreneurial. I mean, I've been working since I was 14 years old. You know, my mother never just gave me shit. It was always like, okay, you want to do that? Well, you're going to have to save up some money. You, you, you save up some money and then whatever you save up and I'll pay half, right? That was how my mother conditioned me. So she made me always figure out how to solve my problems financially. That doesn't mean there wasn't things she didn't pay for, but anything that was like ancillary outside of my needs, she didn't have money for that. So it was like, I had to figure that shit out, you know? And I was very grateful that she raised me that way, but because it did make me very entrepreneurial, which means that you, you, I know that you probably know what it means, Jenny. I just want to say it for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what it means. 
It means that you, when you're working for a company, you can treat that company as if it was yours. So your, your work ethic is really strong, essentially. And so before I was working at Whole Foods, I actually had a cleaning business with my friend Tasha. And we, we cleaned people's houses. We organized closets. We decorated Christmas trees. You know, we cooked for people. Like we just did whatever we had to do. And so that taught me how to take care of customers, how to take care of humans, you know, because there's a lot of dignity in cleaning for somebody. There's a lot of dignity in that. And people don't realize the dignity and the love that that shares with somebody when you clean for them, you clean up their mess, you, you go home with all that energy on you. You know what I mean? And so I had that experience, which I'm incredibly grateful for, you know, but outside of that, no, but that, you know, to me, that didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like we were going to figure out how to make it happen. I was going to figure out how to make it happen no matter what. And I, I read that you had a loan that you took out a loan from a family member instead of, you know, not instead of, I take that back because it's not very yeah. easy. You know, women of color make get like 1% of VC money. So it's not as if you were going to yeah. go and say like, okay, I've got this CPG product and now I'm going to go raise all this giant venture money. So yeah. you went the route that was available to you, which was taking a reasonable amount of money and starting from that place. But that wasn't right away, Jenny. That, that wasn't right away. For a year and a half, we gave the product away. So my brother, who's my co-founder, I worked on a Whole Foods salary, so I was just getting by, right? When I was working at Whole Foods, I worked at Whole Foods. I still cleaned for people every now and again. I was an artist model. Like I still had to do things for me to survive because I wasn't making a lot of money, right? But I also knew that we couldn't just put the product out because the formula that I made, while it was excellent for me, that doesn't mean that it was going to be excellent for everybody else. And so we gave it away for like a year and a half. And then I just took in data from people on what their experience was. And if something was too strong, if something was too light, if something was, you know, if something was too gentle, we took that time to really understand our customer. And so, you know, so, so that's what the focus was. That was your product market fit. That was product market fit. That was clinical research. We didn't have money to go to like a clinical research house to, you know, I mean, that can cost anywhere from hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars, which we have invested by now. We have invested millions of dollars into testing, being the most scientifically tested and clinically proven brand. But back then we didn't have any, we didn't have two rubber nickels to rub together. You know what I mean? Isn't it funny how the story winds up becoming, even though it seemed like maybe that was a harder road or it, but it was an intuitive road. And I I recently interviewed uh, a man who is a founder of a tech firm. And he really thinks that this idea of like a moonshot and taking all this VC money really works in such specific and narrow companies but doing exactly what you did, which was having the job, not giving up that job until you knew that there was a product, having done all the research, you can do so much on your own with your own hustle and your own grit and determination, and then slowly and incrementally 
get to the place where you're like, okay, now it's time. When did you know it was the now it's time moment? There was so many now it's time moments, right? Like the moment that we transitioned out of giving the product away for free was because me and Cy met somebody and they were like, y'all should go to the Bronner Brothers hair show. You know, and they they didn't know that we we did we had a product that we were giving away for free. They thought we had much more of a business, right? So we go to the Bronner Brothers Hair Show. We sell six hundred bottles in a weekend. That's when we got the twenty thousand dollar loan. That was from Simon and from Troy, right? So you know, you fast forward, and then there was the other moments were like when we launched our website, when we were able to get more stores in Whole Foods because we were only in one store. We fast forward from there. It was when we got the email from Target because that meant that we had to hit the next. No, actually, before that, one of the when you know moments was we needed to figure out if people wanted to come to us for more than just feminine washes because that's all we made at that time. We went from that to bringing in companies like we wholesold pads, we wholesold wipes, we wholesold baby products. We went from making like $30,000 to making like $240,000 or $250,000, right? And so that told us that people actually wanted to buy their feminine care products from one place. Then that's when Target emailed that following year. There's so many moments of when you know it's time to get to the next place. You know what I mean? That's the art of it. You know, I agree with that man that you were talking about because if you raise money too fast, too quick, like I remember saying to Cy, bro, we really need to raise some money. We really need to raise some money. He would always be like, no, B, we don't need to raise any money because we don't have anything to raise for, right? You just need to keep focused on the business and keep doing what you're doing. And that's what he told me. And he was right. But when Target called, he was like, now, now is when we go raise some money, right? I love that. And it's true. Because if you raise too much money too fast and you don't understand your product and you don't understand your business and you don't understand your customer and you really don't know what you're going to spend the money on. And you have to spend it. And you have to spend it. Then you're just going to be throwing money at shit. You're not actually going to be solving real problems. Me and my team, we do my, our leadership team. We do a, our leadership meetings twice a week, Mondays and Wednesdays. And I was, we, so we just got, I literally right before this call, I was on our leadership call and I was talking about that. Like, I'm so grateful that Simon built the finance and the operations of the business. I'm so happy that he was so lean because that is literally how we do things all the way till today. We have a business. We have a proper business. We can't just throw money at it. It, ha- it has to work. I love that. Now, if you think about your category, right? You think about like store shelves and how hard it is to get on those store shelves. And you think about like, you know, you're going up against like major consumer product companies, Unilevers of the world that own that shelf space. And you are this first time out co-founders who have a dream and a vagina, and you're like, I, and, and a product that like has it, you know, that your dead grandma told you was going to work. And you right. just have this like unbelievable confidence that this thing is going to work. Do you ever wake up and think like, I can't believe this ha- that all of this has happened? No, I never wake up and say that because we worked our ass off for all of this to happen. 
you know, all of this doesn't happen. And I shouldn't say it doesn't happen because for some people it, it can happen. But most of the time, the way that big companies happen, typically everybody wants to see it once things have already happened and the scale has happened. They don't realize all the shit that people had to eat for years and years and years and years and years, right? You think about the Oprahs of the world and the Beyonce's of the world and the, you know, frankly, the honeypots of the world, right? (laughs) They started doing what they did when they were young. You would be weird if by now they weren't like mega stars, right? Honeypot's been doing this technically, yeah, 10 years, since 2012, right? It would be weird if by now all the things we did and the way that we grew our company and, you know, how we built in retail and how we built relationships with our customers and the humans that we serve and all those things. Like it would be weird if we were busting our ass the way that we did and it didn't work by now. You know what I'm saying? So like, no, I never wake up and I'm like, I can't believe this happened. Why? Because I personally made intentions for this to happen, for us to be here. I make intentions every single day. You know, everybody on this team is at work more than they're at home. Even if they're working from home, you understand what I'm saying? So like a lot goes into a product before it hits a a shelf, right? Or before you see an Instagram post or before you see a commercial on TV or before so many things had to happen before all of that could happen. If you knew half the things that needed to happen for even me and you to be sitting here on a zoom, having a conversation, it's incredible. So no, no, like, hell yeah. We, we, we we deserve to be where we are because we fought. We have blood, sweat, tears, (laughs) wounds, (laughs) trauma, all that. And we will continue to work our asses off to to stay here because it's one thing to be able to have a glimpse of being what successful is. But the other thing is maintaining your success. You know, there's a saying in sales where it's easy to get on a shelf. It's easy to get a buyer to say yes to you. The hard part is staying there. How do you maintain that? How do you said you set intentions? How do you set that bar for yourself to keep it going? Because I know as a founder, it's not always great dates. Like you said, there's a lot of slog that goes into it and years go by where you are like, you know, there's the highs and then there's the slog. And then there's the low. Yeah. Yeah. There's highs, there's lows. How do you keep it going when you're feeling just like, okay, we're still doing this. I just know that everything's going to be all right. I love that. And like, we live in the, we live in the world, right? And like, things are up and things are down. Things are good and they're bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I I just, I was doing a podcast yesterday, you know, and I, I, I just, I realized it. Like, I'm in a decade long relationship with Honeypot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in a proper relationship. I'm in a marriage. I'm in a, whether you call your baby, your your husband, your wife, your child, your whatever, especially the people that have been here for a long time, we are in a decade-long relationship. And any relationship that you've been in for a long time 
is going to have ups and downs, ins and outs, bad days, good days. Hopefully you have more good days and more thriving days than you do bad. But how can you respect the good days? How can you respect when when your business is thriving? How can you respect your customers, the people that you serve, if you don't go through some shit together? You know what I'm saying? How do you respect good if you don't understand what bad looks like? I read that you are very mindful of gratitude. Oh, yeah. And that that is like a real base of your focus and intention in the company. And and I think focusing on gratitude does put it into the positive instead of focusing on the negative. Yeah. I'm grateful for everything as it happens in order. Because all things are always, always, always in order. Even if the worst shit happened in the world, everything's in order. You understand what I'm saying? And it's okay. So, you know, not only is gratitude a huge part of our practice at work, it's just a huge part of my practice as being a, a, a as practicing being a human on this planet. The fact that, I mean, the world is spinning right now and we're, me and you are sitting here talking. It's a, it is a miracle, right? And so um, I'm grateful for everything. I'm grateful for everything. I love that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that puts a lot of it into perspective. And if you ha- yeah. trust that it's all going to work out okay, then... You don't have to worry about sweating the small things. However, I want to just... It doesn't mean you don't sweat Yeah, it doesn't mean things. it doesn't hurt. And it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt when it happens. <laughs> but it's just more of like the long game and taking a bigger picture. But you, know, you had an experience and I really, I'm like, this is something I really want to talk to you about specifically, where in May or in sometime in the spring, and, and I wasn't aware of this at the time, that there was controversy around the honeypot because of a formulation change, you know, rudimentary business stuff that happens in companies all the time. So it's not, that's not the piece of it that I think is, you know, worrisome. I think what's worrisome is that you are a Black founding woman. And this is a product that is very well received by other Black women who see Mm -hmm. you as like a huge example and have put you up on a pedestal. And then through social media, when like rumors started about a product change, which happens all the time in, in business, no one knows what's in anything. So to think that you right. do is insane. <laughs> but people started spreading rumors and people started attacking you and going after you and your company on social media. And I see this mm-hmm. happen to women founders, specifically mm-hmm. to women founders from their own constituency all the time, Mm -hmm. whether you call it cancel culture, whatever you want to call it, I think Mm -hmm. that it really is an unbelievable trend that's happening. You see it like, you know, you hear the big one. There was just a podcast about Tanya Zuckerbrot that happening too, or it's Audrey Gelman, or it's this. It's almost like whatever culture you create then comes back to eat you. How did you survive that? I mean, what what was that experience like? And I don't know. I, I commend you for the way you handled it. Because I think you handled it really well and really classy and you came out on the other side of this. But I can't imagine what it was like to go through that. And as a founder, it's terrifying to me and it makes me hold back from doing things sometimes that I would have because it's, I personally am afraid that could happen to me. Well, it can happen to anybody. 
And traditional PR will tell you when it happens, don't say anything, stay quiet, don't say nothing. Just let it blow over, right? We just didn't, we don't have that kind of relationship with the humans that we serve. And we made a mistake. There was just so many things that were happening right then, right? Like we were setting our products on shelves in retail because it was like our category review season when like things were actually going on shelf. So many things were still happening with distribution and and products and inventory and ingredients. I mean, it it was a nightmare. And so we were just trying to like keep our head <laughs> above water. And we didn't, you know, I, I think that I think that we didn't communicate properly the changes, right? And I'm really grateful that that happened because you know, that was one of those moments where one part of the relationship, like think about, are you married? I was married. Yeah. So you understand me too. I was married too. It's like, if your partner didn't communicate something that was extremely important to you and we are partners to our customers, we have a beautiful relationship that is not transactional. It means something. It's real, you know? And we did not communicate with them properly. And they were like, they were upset. Now, we needed to own that we did not communicate properly. And I thought that it was very important that we needed to own that we were being held to a standard that nobody else is being held to, right? That we still own the company, that we didn't sell out because whatever the, you know, the fuck that means. Not to say that it doesn't happen because it does happen. And I don't even want to call it a sellout, but I think that humans that buy products do, are not business people necessarily. And it's not their job to be. Their job is they want to buy your product and they want to use it on their body. And when things change that they don't understand, just like with anything, with any human being, if things happen that you don't understand, it creates a fear response and that fear response then can turn into a million other things, right? And the way that social media is structured and set up, it's not really set up for fact-checking and to be honest and to be real. Or it's set context, up like, or, or cutting or any benefit of the doubt. Like if you are in yeah. that relationship, why shouldn't people just be like, okay, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Instead, it explodes instead of well, tamper. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people did give us the benefit of the doubt. And I think that a lot of people did allow us. There were some people who had terrible things to say. But then when we were able to show them the facts and talk to them about all the things that were going on and show them that a lot of that stuff that was being talked about was 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 lies and wasn't real, then they were able to kind of back down and, and feel calm about it. But we also can't talk about these types of things and not talk about how it does happen where companies do have an exit or do have a strategic partnership and where the company that has partnered, the conglomerate that has partnered has come in and restructured everything about said company. These things happen every day. It's business. So it's business. It's business. But if you're a person who's been buying a product for 10 plus years and you have committed your money and your time and your energy and you believed in it, and that happens, it almost feels like an insult because now you have to go and figure out what can you do now. So I understand that. I get that. 
And I'm with you. Let me say this first. And this isn't specific to Honeypot. This is just in general. I think before you go and cancel a company, especially if it was something similar that happened with Honeypot, where people were looking at our ingredients and thinking that they were bad, and really they weren't bad. They were going to apps and the apps were saying that these ingredients were bad and they're not, right? And, but I can assure you that, well, I can't assure you because I'm not, I'm not those people and I don't know what they're using. But I think before you go out and cancel a brand for something that, you know, that could be as simple as ingredients, I think that it's very important to look at your whole life and look at all the things that you're using. What do you use to brush your teeth? What do you use to wash your hair? What do you use as body wash on your skin? And make sure that you're not being a hypocrite. That's A. Because if you're not going to go cancel those colossal brands that you've probably been using and consuming on a daily basis, it's not really kind and fair to cancel another brand that has to make changes to their formulation. Because like you said, these things happen. Sometimes you can't buy an ingredient anymore or sometimes it becomes ridiculously expensive and everything is about our margins. We live off of a couple of dollars of margin on each product. And so I think that it's really important to think about that. And I think the other thing about cancel culture too is understand that the terrible things that you write and say, because I had death threats. I mean, I had all kinds of crazy shit. It was crazy. The terrible things that you write and say, humans have to read that. People have to read and respond to that. It's funny what you'll do behind a computer or what you'll do behind a camera or what you'll do with a mass amount of people, right? I can't tell people what to do, whether they should cancel a brand or not. I personally would never get behind a cancel culture If I had a problem with the product or something that I'm using or had a question, I would be the person who would actually call that brand up and see if I can talk to somebody and figure it out. Because if you don't have all the answers in which we can't, companies cannot share and reveal all the answers. We just can't. We cannot do it. It's impossible to do. We've got shareholders. We've got investors. We've got partnerships with retailers. There's non-disclosure agreements. There's all kinds of things. So a company cannot tell you why they do all the things that they do. Sometimes you just have to be conservative. Sometimes you just have to change things until you can prove it. But you can't share with the general public why you do what you do. And so it's very important, like you said earlier, to give grace, right? And then to choose if this product is going to work for you or not. But to go online and to cancel a brand and to talk terribly to it and to to not think twice about what a 30 second video can do and to not think twice before you say some terrible shit in an Instagram post or an email. You don't have to say terrible, mean things. You just don't have to, you know, you don't have to be mean. You can send an email. That's a one to one relationship. Hey, B, I've got a question about this. Putting it out there in a wider context is impugning you, your company, and your product in a different way than if it was, hey, I've got a problem. 
It's a public stoning of an airing of the problem, and it's a very different conversation. How do you not take it personally when people are coming after you because you're the face of this product? This is your product line, and it's got to feel awful. It did feel awful, but I have empathy to it, and and, and and I respect people's opinions. It did feel awful. I did have to do a lot of work emotionally, physically, and mentally. It's a good thing you have that gratitude practice. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I and I have shamans and I have all the things to help me to get back together, which I'm extremely grateful for. And I've got my ancestors and I've got my saints and I've got all my things to help me to get back together. But again, like I'm so grateful that that happened because it showed us that our, our customers actually really care, even though even though some of that was really terrible and mean, like it still came from a place of something that they love and that they were devoted to. And so like, you know, so I I get it. You know, I I just think that it's very important for humans to understand that treat people how you would want people to treat you. And also look at the history because what honeypot, and I don't say this with ego, but what honeypot has done for the vulva vagina is insane. Right. Seriously. No other brand has done this. Nobody has. Right. And if you were to just look at our history, if you were to just look at how we grew from nothing to where we are now, if you could just look at the investments that we've made in understanding our products in the investment that we make to help to kill taboo, shame, guilt, to help to respect people as being human, not woman, not man not non-binary, not trans, not just trans, not just LGBTQ plus, as just a human being. You are a human that ha- that owns a vagina. Whatever you call yourself, that's your business. You understand what I'm saying? If you've got an infection, cool. What do we need to do to solve it, right? If you've got a disease, cool. Don't worry about it. Go to the doctor, figure out. There's nothing to be ashamed of. If you've got trauma, there's nothing to be ashamed of. This whole world is created. We live in a fucking man's world full of trauma, right? And that is what we will continue to do because that is why this brand was created. This brand was created for vaginas, man. And someday we'll make products that are outside of the vagina, but understand that that is the root of what we do. And that is the root of how every fucking human that lives on this planet even got here if it wasn't for vaginas, right? And so our divine respect and love and character and and passion and devotion and spirituality and and religiousness that we devote to that is insane. And whether we have a partner that comes in that's strategic because, you know, we took private equity venture capital money. That's just what it is. You can't take that kind of money and just be like, oh, we're just going to do this forever. No, fuck that. They need their money back. Either we're going to go public or we're going to have a partnership. And, and going public, brands haven't really figured out how to do that very well. So that may not be the, the route that we go. Most likely it would be the other route, but that's just business. That has nothing to do with my vagina. That has nothing to do with the pigment of my skin. That has everything to do with the fact that this is fucking business and this is how it rolls. And in business, sometimes you got to change a formula. In business, Sometimes you don't communicate well. In business, you make mistakes. You fall on your face. 
this is like life. It's life. That is just life. That is how life goes. Okay. I have, I'm mindful of your time and I have two more questions. And one of them is in this line. I wonder, I see this happen all the time. Maybe it's my own, maybe it's because I'm a female founder and because I am in the female founding and empowerment world. But it seems to me that women can be their own worst enemy. And women can destroy, like we said before, women can take down other women founders very easily. And in my mind, that is why there are so few women who are leading products, selling them to CPG companies, creating enormous businesses, because we're so busy in fighting and destroying ourselves that men just like walk through with their own privilege and their own, you know, people Mm -hmm. throwing money parades at them. And, (laughs) And it's so much harder to do what you have done and then to have to like fight off all of these attacks from within just feels unfair, but also self-sabotaging. It's a self-sabotaging for women to do that to each other. We should be holding each other up. You've created a line of products to help people with vaginas, humans with vaginas. We should Mm -hmm. be celebrating each other. We should be celebrating the, the successes and not sitting here nitpicking. And I'm wondering if you think that that's if that's something that you feel personal about. Sister, I feel personal about it, but I also like get, you know, also get it, man. Like when you think about like the demographic, the person, the human that typically buys our product is a black woman who has a high household income, who, who shops at Target, who shops at Walmart, who has a decent sized basket size, who literally goes to the store to seek out our products. But while she's there, she gets a lot of other products, right? But you can't talk about, Black women have not been served. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or just humans of color, even. We have not necessarily been served. We're just starting to be served in the last few years in a big way. And so, like, for me, I understand how there is a trauma response when something like that happens, if you are a human who hasn't been served and in the past, this has happened. And when that happened in the past, then X, Y, and Z happened. There's a lot of trauma there. And so I don't judge the response. I just see it as there is still a lot of healing that we have to do. And it makes me as one of the founders and really as the architect of this brand, it really lets me know that there's so much more work that we have to do, not just as humans of colors, but just as humans that own vaginas. There's so much more work that we have to do with ourselves. This, you know, because we hold each other to a high bar because we know that we can't fuck up. We know that we can't. Because if we do, we may not have another chance. And Jenny, that's not just me, that's you too. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So it's like how my mom, when I was a kid, she may have actually spoiled my brothers a little more than she spoiled me, but she knew that I could not be spoiled because she knew that life was not going to be easy for me because my mother had a very hard life. And she was like, look, she was so strict with me. 
She didn't let me do a lot of things. If I wanted something, she was like, look, you're going to have to get a job because I don't have money for that, right? She didn't spoil me. And she may have been a little harder on me because she did not want me to have the life that she had. And I think that there's some of that in how women interact with other women-owned businesses. I don't necessarily think it's coming from a bad place. I think that we've been conditioned to be this way because unfortunately, if you're a man, especially if you are a white man, you can get away with murder, right? And I don't mean, you know, no disrespect to humans that, you know, who, who are Caucasian and who happen to be a man. That's just, it's just some real shit. Let, you know, if we're going to have a conversation, let's have it. But Jenny, if me and you were to do something that may be half of what they did, that may be a quarter of what they did, we're not going to have the same opportunities. And yet you have more opportunities messed up than I do. That's just the way that the this world, is this set structure up. was built. So I think you can't have that conversation without having that other conversation. You know, it's like Black women are dying more in childbirth than anybody else. Well, why is that? Well, the founder of obstetrics and gynecology used to do surgeries on his slaves with no anesthesia, with no nothing. And so it was written in medical books that Black women were stronger. Why? Because he took that practice that he did on his black slaves and he took it into his office and he did the same surgeries on white women and gave them the medicine and gave them the anesthesia. And some of those black women survived, but they had to. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you can't have the conversation of how black women are dying more than anybody else without going back to the root of what happened back then. So I think that we have a lot of work to do as a humanity and as a civilization. And I think our biggest piece of work is understanding that the constructs that we built around ourselves aren't real and they actually backfire. You're carrying and you've chosen to carry a huge burden in a lot of ways, but also you are an enormous trailblazer, not only for Black women, but for all women as a, you know, a founder, somebody who's created an enormous product line, somebody who is in the feminine hygiene business. There's so many ways in which the path that you are on is amazing and also just difficult. So I commend you so much for taking it on, for being that for so many women, for seeing the need and for being able to carry that burden for a lot of people who are relying on you and to be able to have that gratitude and the grace and the ability to have empathy. Thank you. It's really commendable. And I've really enjoyed this conversation so much. I want to wrap it up so you can go along with your day because I'm sure you have much to accomplish today. But I just, we end with one question. It's our tagline, which is, how do you make work work for you? And I'm wondering, mm. given all of those, the, the burdens and the responsibilities and the goals that you've set for yourself, how do you make work work for you? You know, I, I asked for the work to be here. So, you know, so I, I just, it's not even work. It's just my life. Everything in my life blends together. 
you know, I don't, I don't see it as work. It's just who I am and it's in, it's my life. When I'm working, I'm working. When I'm with my partner, I'm with him. You know, when I'm with my family, I'm with them. I'm not working. When I'm eating, I try to eat. Sometimes I'm eating on the go, but like, I want to get better at like, I'm eating right now. Right. Or, you know, I'm not the best at taking time for myself, to be honest. But even if I get one minute to be with myself, that one minute, I try to make it feel like it was like 30 minutes. And so I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to have these opportunities. I'm grateful. I'm just grateful for all of it. And, um, and I don't take it lightly. I am in awe of you. And I'm so glad that you had this hour to spare for the second shift for our community. I could keep going and talking to you all day, but I'll let you (laughs) wrap this up. This was just like a totally fascinating conversation from like vaginas to female founders, (laughs) to gratitude, to dead grandmas and, you know, historical (laughs) racism and slavery. So we covered all the bases, I think. (laughs) And on that note, I will let you go. I say thank you so much, B. You are a force of nature and I want you to take over the world. I've got your back no matter what. And I hope for you all the success in the world. And I do the same for you. I have your back and I hope for you all the success, love and kindness, generosity and all the things. Take care. Love you and take care of yourself. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.